Today's guest is XFL and NFL free agent kicker Tyler Rosso. From the Smurf turf of Boise State to the indoor football league to various trials with NFL teams like the Bears, and most recently a prolific season as XFL DC defenders kicker, Tyler Rossa continually comes back to where it all begins, the basics. Enjoy. What was your experience like with the XFL? Oh, it was super fun. Um, definitely a different pace of play with the XFL. The kind of what stuck out for, I feel like to me, was the 25-second play clock. It just made things go by so much faster. And I, I feel like that's what got myself, you know, more attempts in the game um, because it, it was almost kind of a lot like arena in that sort of facet of the game. And um, definitely, I mean, our, our atmosphere being at Audi Field, you know, it's not an NFL stadium by any means, but it's still, you know, a super fun stadium, you know, awesome to play at. And there is a lot of people that bought into it as well. And, you know, I, I thought it was awesome. And, you know, again, nothing but, but great things to say about the whole experience. Right. Yeah, and I think that there's what was really interesting was the XFL changed up special teams a little bit. Can you talk a yeah, little bit about? Very. Yeah, could you talk a little bit about what it was like as a kicker, kicking in games with no extra points? Like, did that change the flow of the game at all for you? Um, not entirely. It just I just had less to do, um, <laughs> and then I I also you know I didn't do kickoffs because Hunter, you know, he did it all preseason. He did it right. you know exceptionally well. So there was no reason to, you know, have me change. And, you know, it's basically, you know, there was, I think there was one game where I didn't have a attempt. And then there was a couple other games where, um, you know, I had one attempt or, you know, I, I barely even saw the field, but, you know, that's, that's just what came with the game. That's what, you know, it was just required of me. It wasn't very tolling at all. It was just, I just had to figure out and create my own energy during the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, um, it is definitely different, but I also think too, it, it probably drew more eyes and intrigue to the league. Oh, you know, they're changing up all these rules and um, especially with the, the kickoff rule too. What, what's your take on the kickoff rule? Oh, I mean, I thought it was super interesting. I thought it was a very good um, change of the game. And it brought, you know, brought more excitement to it. And I think that that's one of the things that the NFL will definitely look into adopting because it was, it was definitely, you know, I thought it made the game more fun for sure. Right. Definitely. And how could you, could you talk a little bit about what your experience was like at Boise State? Um, and then actually, because a lot of listeners are kids and, and their families that, you know, they maybe want to play in college. Could you talk yeah. a little bit about what that recruiting process was like from high school to college and what was the biggest difference that you noticed from playing in high school to playing in college? Oh, well, coming out of high school, you know, I coming from a, a pretty top-notch school and, you know, not having a whole lot of interest. I had more, gosh, I had probably 20-something walk-on offers, but that wasn't something that I was able to do because of, you know, just kind of the family dynamics that I had and probably wasn't mm -hmm. going to be able to afford what was going on. So that was when I went, um, went on to uh, junior college 
And from junior college, you know, that was where I, I started having success. You know, they started seeing me kick off the ground. They started seeing more accuracy, height on the ball. And that was where things really took off for me. Um, I never went into any camps out of high school. Um, you know, it just wasn't something that I was very interested in just because I did three sports in high school also. So I didn't really have time to go to like different kicking camps and kind of go around the country. So I just kind of relied on game film and I relied on um, kind of just myself with, with trying to figure out, you know, how, how I'm going to get to the next level with everything. And then, um, you know, from there it, it correlated with junior college and then junior college, I really got that chance. I took a couple visits, went around and I ultimately Boise state was, was the place for me. And, you know, it provided the best opportunity one to get a good education and two to, um, you know, get some playing time and really just kind of show, um, you know, my talents. And, and I think it did. And then going to Boise State, you know, I did not get the job right away. I had to work for um, for everything day one and had to sit out the first two years because there was a guy that started in front of me. And that, you know, I thought that also paid dividends because I had to wait my turn. I had to do do kind of the hard time. And, you know, that ultimately just showed in the back end of, of what I was all about. Right. Do you feel like a lot of kids are, or I guess when you look at how recruiting has maybe changed since you went from high school to college, what's the one thing you think a lot of kids are getting wrong about their recruiting process today? Ooh, one thing kids are getting wrong now. Um, I would just say, some some guys are just getting really ahead of themselves with, you know, if they are going to these camps and they're paying all this money and they're, you know, they, they think by them paying all this money that they should get first priority. They don't know what's going on and they don't put in that hard time, but they, you know, they'll go to this camp, you know, once a month or something like that. And, you know, that just by going to that camp, they're, they're thinking, you know, why don't I have anything? And they're not putting in the, you know, the elbow grease, the hard time, the, you know, the everything to get to that point, you know, to, to be better than the next guy to really separate who they are. Um, I think that that's one of the big things is, you know, kids just maybe a little bit too much entitlement right? than, than what it is. Yeah, I think it's always a tough balance. Like, you know, obviously that there's a business side of private training in, in any position, quarterbacks, kickers, wide receivers, whatever. But it's really hard to be an FBS level kicker, punter, or snapper. I mean, there's only 100, 130-something guys that actually do it every year. No, definitely. That's And I, I think um, by some of these guys going on social media and – really putting too much on there and it kind of shows their real character and it shows I mean might not even be that it's their real character but it shows just some different flaws with them as a person that that ruins it also right yeah I mean no <laughs> nobody likes a drama queen and nobody likes a drama queen kicker that's for sure no exactly now can you talk a little bit about what that situation was like in college where you go from probably being the guy because uh, you're awesome in high school um, to now being in a room where there might be three, four, five guys where you're competing with them. And I think a lot of specialists 
at least in my part of the country in the Northeast, we just, there's not a lot of guys on teams that do it. It's usually one kid that does it. Um, nobody else really wants to do it. And they, they never really have to learn how to deal with competition. Um, could you talk about how you balanced being a great teammate while also being a great competitor with guys you were going to the same spot with? Yeah. So, I mean, when I got to Boise state, there were um, two guys ahead of me that, you know, I had a, I had a fight for the spot with and um, with that, I had to figure out one, how to go into somewhere where, you know, the, the magnitude of Boise state level and what that brand ultimately means. And two, how to figure out how to get better, you know, every day myself and try to, you know, put the best me on the field, you know, and when that did not happen the first time, um, you know, I had to really figure out, you know, my game, I had to really go back to square one, really figure out the roots of where I came from. And, you know, I used to, you know, in college, I used to watch a little bit of high school film. I used to watch a little bit of junior college film. And I'd kind of compare and contrast and kind of just find a way to put the, the best me on the field. And then with that, you know, you also, once your starters there, obviously no special teams. Um, I don't really know of any places in the country that have a kicking coach. So two, I had to be, you know, a good teammate to our starter. If he was struggling with something, I had to be out there. You know, I had to help him go through um, his trials, tribulations, everything like that and figure out, you know, how to put the best teammate on the field and have the best kicker on the field as well, because he needed to succeed for, you know, for our team to win. That's the ultimate goal is you want the team to win, not just yourself to be good. Right. Yeah. And I think that there's, it's unfortunate when it happens, but sometimes there's gamesmanship and guys try to play head games with each other and, you know, do, do you notice, have you ever noticed this too? I'm kind of curious what your thought is. It seems like the, the more professional a kicker is, the more they actually help their competition. Not, not like they try to self-sabotage themselves, but it seems like the higher up the ladder you go towards being a true pro, the, the less scared of helping somebody else out who's competing with you, that person is. Could you kind of talk about that? Have you found that to be yeah. true at all? I mean, cause I've, you know, I've been in actually both scenarios where I've had a guy who, you know, he was a really good teammate and he, you know, helped me out along the way. And then I've also gone against guys who were not good teammates, were not, you know, necessarily the nicest people to me, weren't, you know, look out for my best interest or the team's best interest. They just kind of looked out for themselves. And I think the, the thing with that is you, you know, you always got to find, even if you don't like it, you got to find it within yourself to go out there and just be the best you, but you really do need to be a, a good teammate first before anything, because that shows dividends in the long run. Um, you know, and it's, what's hard is when you have cancerous people like that, obviously it takes down your mood, which can affect your game. And right. that's one of those things where, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a hard shell in the, the outside because that's you know that comes with the specialist position you're going to have one you're going to have guys against you going into it that's just that's just the the thing about being a specialist is you always have you know some teammates who just don't respect the specialist position so you're going to have guys that you know either just you know bag on you a little bit or do something like that but 
that that's just you know that comes with the job and right. you just got to find a way to get through it but yeah when you have those those people you're going against when you have those guys that um don't look out for the, the team don't look out for your best interests, or just want to be toxic you just got to find a way to either resolve the solution or you just got to find a way to just to ignore it and kind of change it a little bit too right yeah and i think it's, it's such a tough balance um especially for younger guys because they're i have found anyway that some younger kickers and college guys they tend to put a lot of their self-worth into their performance like if they hit a great ball suddenly they're a great person if they have a bad day if they had yeah if they have a bad kick now it's a bad day and it's a bad week how do you do like you don't get to your level without figuring out how to navigate adversity and what i notice when i've been around you kicking or you know if we've been around together and there's other guys at your level it's the guys in the field definitely want every ball to be perfect but at the same time like if we're out at carnies you never see a guy if they miss hit the ball like start throwing stuff and like cursing and like imploding how do you balance totally expecting the ball to do what you want it to do and wanting it to be perfect while at the same time swinging with a certain level of detachment that doesn't let you get too high or low? Um, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if I've ever really like truly thought about that. Um, you know, when you're going, I think the biggest thing is when you're going into a kick, you know, obviously you're going to expect perfection. You're going to expect everything to go right your way. Um, but you know, when it doesn't, that's when you got to figure out what went wrong right away. You know, obviously we don't have coaches out there. We don't have guys that are analyzing you like any position coach. So what do you, you truly need to know, you know, your game. That's when you really need to figure out you as a kicker, what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and how you're going to do it right the next time when it doesn't go right. And, you know, that comes with that outer shell. If something doesn't go right, how are you going to fix it? How are you going to go um, into your next kick forgetting about that last one that didn't go your way? And how are you going to um, basically put the ball through the uprights? You got to really um, know your game, know what you're doing, and know, know your um, – you know your form because that's that's ultimately what you have and that's what you um, can go back on. Right. Yeah, I think it's um. Yeah, I think especially with those younger guys, like they have to get to a point where it's like you know where they trust themselves. Do you feel like? I I don't know if it's a technique thing, but I mean, let's be real. Like the the kicking coaching world is like Tiger Kings meets Narcos on Netflix sometimes, <laughs> yeah. right? Like <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like coaches and I've been there. Like if, if somebody's paid me to have them coach them, sometimes I'll, I'll feel like I have to say something. I'll feel like I have to use some like terminology to, you know, justify them investing their time with me. Um, but it almost seems like at least younger guys, they might have some talent, but they haven't just like made up their mind yet about like this form works for me and I know for a fact like what works for me and what doesn't work for me how did yeah. you reach that point when you were first developing where it was like okay like I've gotten the basics down and I know that my basics yes I'm going to keep working on my form and my craft always 
but I also know whatever I've already got is more than good enough to compete. So I kind of figured out early by, you know, kind of watching different guys and watching, you know, when you have like Adam Vinatieri and you had um, guys as good as him on TV, I couldn't replicate that. And I was trying to figure out why I could not replicate that. Well, I started thinking that, okay, he's got a whole different body type. He's got a whole different training than I do. He's got everything. So why don't I kind of look at what he's doing, look at the mechanics, what is he succeeding with? What is he not? And um, why don't I try to be, you know, try to take what he does, but I try to be the best me I can, because ultimately I can't, no two things are the same in this world. And so why right. would I want to replicate somebody that ultimately, yes, I can have some form, some characteristics like, but I will never be him because no two things are the same. So I need to go out. I need to be the best me possible because that's ultimately the only thing I can be. And mm -hmm. my form isn't going to be the same as somebody else. So right. I need to take, you know, the, you know, just the best mechanics that I can bring to the field and I can just do what I do. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Like if there's younger kids on field and you're there, or if there's another NFL guy at a camp, like, of course, like the second that guy starts kicking, they're crushing kicks and all the kids want to start mimicking them. But that guy might be a totally different body type than what you are. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to exactly work. No, exactly. And that's what, again, you want to, you look up to guys and you want to, you know, you want to be guys and you want to do everything that they're doing and you want to figure out, okay, how do I do what they're doing? But you need to figure it out in your own way. You need to figure out in your own form, how you're going to do it and how you're going to figure out, you know, just the mechanics of, of, you know, your body. Right. So I always like asking this question because I feel like it, it helps understand what really fuels a lot of athletes. Um, yeah. There's a great, there's a great quote that goes uh, where a man's wound is, you will find his genius. And so the concept is like, usually, and I found anyway, most pro kickers, punters and snappers can point to some like past moment of adversity that, or failure that set them up for later long-term success. Um, do you have a favorite failure in your past career, whether high school or college or what have you, that you feel has helped fuel you for longer-term success? Um, gosh. A favorite failure? Probably, I mean, I would definitely say my first year at Boise State, um, you know, going into it thinking I was, you know, I was going to be the guy, I was going to have a job and I was going to be, you know, one step closer to get into the NFL. And, you know, I was, I was going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden I come against a guy who is even more hungry, who hasn't played the last two years and who really wanted it. I mean, you could say he definitely wanted it more than I did. And that was when I had to figure out, you know, what, what I'm going to do, um, and how I need to be better because he just flat out, you know, he, I mean, he didn't take it from me, but he, he won the job mm -hmm. and, you know, that was definitely something that put, 
a work ethic in me that, you know, I, I never really knew that I had and it put a little fire in me that, you know, ultimately really pushed me and took me to the next level. So I, I would definitely go back on that one. Gotcha. And so would you say, so what was maybe one habit that you learned as a result of, of that first year at Boise when you didn't get that starting job? How did your, like, did, like you talked about having a new work ethic, what were some of the things that you started to do consistently that helped you win that job later on? Um, I definitely, you know, I, I worked out more and mm -hmm. I, you know, really got in, in tune with my body with, you know, what is working right, what isn't working right. And, um, from a nutritional level, that was definitely a big thing too. Um, you know, putting the right things in my body instead of just eating like pizza every night and stuff right. like that, because that does, you know, that does show up and that does, um, you know, do negative things. And from there, you know, trying to hit a, just a consistent ball every single time. Right. Yeah. And let's talk about that. Cause like you got a leg, man, like you can hit 60 plus and it's not that big a deal for you. Yeah. Like I see that and I'm like, man, that's crazy. He has no cartilage in his hips after that. <laughs> but, but then like, but then, you know, like for example, like even in the NFL, the average field goal distance is like 35 yards. And yeah. so when I was talking to Ty Long on a previous podcast, he, he said something I really liked, which was something along the lines of like, I can hit five Oh five, five hang punts if I want to, but I know that I'm not going to be able to do that eight or nine times out of 10. So I just try to hit my ball. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about, yeah, can you talk a little bit about like how you approach your swing? Um, and I guess, like, how do you approach consistency? Because there are a lot of kids with talent and yeah, that's great, but it doesn't show up 10 times out of 10, maybe like only two times out of 10. How did you develop your consistency? I mean, really, it's just, it's, you got to find the quality over quantity is the huge thing mm -hmm. is you got to, you got to figure out the quality of when you're practicing the quality of, you know, how you're doing your step offs, how you're, you know, going about your kick, the mental aspect of it. Um, and I, that was one thing that I, it was just, it, I mean, you always hear it young, but you just never really, you know, played into effect when it kind of put your life on the line. Um, mm -hmm. So when I, when I started taking quality over quantity serious, when I, you know, not rushing between kicks, taking a breather, going back, what I do right, what I do wrong. And, you know, really putting the hard time into each kick instead of how many kicks was what, you know, paid the difference with me. And the mental aspect of it is, is just as, as big as anything, because I, I always say kicking is, you know, 30% talent, 70% mental, because you have some guys off the sticks who, you know, can do some ridiculous things, hit some, you know, balls that are, you know, basically having a home run derby out there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, yeah, you get, you get a ball under center, you get a live sampled kick and, you know, those, those guys have their, you know, tails between their legs and nothing happens. And, you know, that's, that's where that, I believe that, uh, that 70% plays in because I can really alter somebody's body, 
uh, mental, physical, I mean, everything to the game of kicking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you're, that's a good analogy. Most baseball players do not swing for home runs every single time. No. And I know you're a big golfer. How do, how do you – so you, what you're basically saying is you want to be a good putter first and a driver second. Oh, yeah. I want to be – if I can – if I get to any distance – on the fairway and I can, and I know I have, you know, as good as chance as any to put the ball on the green and put it in play, you know, I'll take that over hitting a ball. That's, you know, a, you know, a driver that's, you know, going 350 or something like that, but all of a sudden I can't put it near the green, you know, that your game kind of goes to crap after that because you have your driver is only one drive. You have, you know, four five, six, seven shots after that where you really need to change your game and you know I I really especially with golf now shoot I I took that as serious as it gets because I can hit you know I can hit a drive as you know just as far as most people but if if I don't have a a mid game if I don't have a short game if I can't have it dancing you know what am I really I'm just a long drive guy you know I'm not actually a good golfer I can just hit the ball far right Yeah, I think that's a great analogy because there's so many guys that can hit these 70, 80-yard kicks. I mean, everybody says, well, look at Harrison Bucker hitting like 77-yard field goals and stuff. That's great, but his numbers 45 yards and in are also really, really good. Um, Yeah. How do you – when you're kicking, like so, for example, some guys know that 50 yards and in, I'm going to hit every kick like an extra point. And then maybe once I get outside of 50, I might have to change my swing up just a little bit to drive the ball more. Yeah. Do you, do you give yourself, uh, but like, and then other guys just say, I just kick it the same every time. So do you have certain ranges that you feel like, all right, I'm going to keep everything basically the same from here and in. And then if I have to go beyond this distance, I, I might have to change something up. Yeah, and I think that actually goes back to um, kind of what jo- what John Carney says with having an A B A swing, B swing, and C swing. You mm-hmm. know, I would say my A swing is from about forty five. I mean, pretty much fifty and in. You know, that's where that A swing is. That my B swing going from you know fifty one to fifty five or so, fifty seven, and then that C swing where you know, you just kind of let it all go and you just see what you're all about. Um, and I, that is a real thing, you know, to have the same swing every time. That's a little hard because I think that's where some guys get out of control and that's where the lack of consistency comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have that a swing every time and you know, you, you know, say you come up short from, you know, 55 or something like that, but you kept a dead center and, some guys are a okay with that. You know, they kept that same swing throughout that, you know, that's, that's on, you know, on the person, what their philosophy with the game is and what they're all about. It's kind of, I mean, you know, two swings are the same. It's, it's a lot like golf. There's not one way to hit a golf ball. There's not one way to hit um, a football. It's, it's just, there's just so many different variables of the game that it's, you know, no, no two things are the same. Right. One of the things I've noticed is, getting to your level you don't get there without help from other people who maybe have been in the past yep. and uh, sometimes they call it like in, in the business world they'll call it who luck you know you just happen to know somebody who knows somebody right time right place 
what was your who luck like? Do you have one or two mentors you can point to and be like, dang, those guys were definitely the catalyst that helped me get to the next level. And if so, so two questions, who were they? And then what is the one thing they taught you that you would not have been able to learn on your own? Um, so out of high school, you know, I went to this free um, kicking camp called Snapple Kick. And that was where I really learned the ins and outs of, you know, kicking. And it was um, a guy named Hugo Cassianos who ran it and it was completely free. And that was the best part. And he took guys from the Inland Empire in California and he, you know, didn't really change their swing. He just had them be the best them they could be. And from there, you know, I was able to be a guy around guys who, um, went to Oregon, Oregon State, um, you know, some Pac-12 schools, so, you know, I was able to be around some really good guys, really good competition, and, you know, from day one, he, you know, he saw me, and he really believed in me, and, you know, he, he just knew what I was about, and he is definitely somebody that I would, I would say, jump-started everything, because he was the first guy that really believed in me, my kicking game, and everything like that, um, so yeah, Hugo, would be the first guy and I stuck with him. I mean, I still talk to him to this day and everybody that's involved there. Mm -hmm. And from there, you know, when I first got out of college, I went um, to Mike Hustad um, for the first couple years. And, you know, he was a great guy. Actually, I met a lot of friends through him too. Just guys that I still talk to to this day. And, um, you know, who, who pointed me in the right direction after that. And, you know, he, he was somebody that I always went to and he's somebody that I could still go to just, he's just a stand up guy and he, he knows the game just as much as anybody too. Right. And, and then from there, and then that was when I went to, to John Carney, um, talked to him a little bit and I started going to him more and more. And, you know, again, he's, he's somebody that I can, I can attribute a lot to cause he, you know, I think he really took me to the next level because he doesn't want to change who you are. He just mm -hmm. wants to refine your techniques and he just wants to, for you to be the best you possible. Right. And I think that it's so important to figure out who, who's your combination. Like we all have our own personal boards of directors, you know, like there's the Tyler Ross's boards of directors. Like you just named them all. Yeah. And yeah. it almost, do you feel like sometimes so, so you mentioned like three coaches that really helped you out a lot. And yeah. um, do you feel like kids maybe see too many coaches today? Cause there's like, Oh man. And it's, I, you know, and I started out just like as a guy on Twitter with a bag of balls. So I, I get it. Um, but it's so easy now to, to like be an independent coach or have that as a side gig. Do you feel like, like for you, what's, what would you recommend to kids? Like what is too much coaching? What is too little coaching? I guess. Um, I mean, I've always been just indifferent with having a lot of coaches because I always, mm -hmm. I always like to hear what um, coaches and people had to say about the game and all that. And, and I always took things with a grain of salt. I, I took the good, I mean, it's almost like hearing a motivational speaker, you know, you can, you can hear so many things about what they want to say and what they want to get across. Um, but you know, no, you know, you just, you, it's hard to explain. You take it and you take the goods out of it that you like, 
you take what you want to hear, you take what, you know, kind of what they have to offer and you go with it. And it's, right. you don't have to replicate everything they're saying because again, that was their way of how they succeeded um, with kicking at their time. That's how, you know, they got to their position today. But I, I always like going, you know, just around to different coaches, hear what they had to say, what their um, points of success were with kicking. And then I took what their success was. And then I tried to make it into my own of what I could possibly do with what they were doing. Right. Yeah. And I think that what you have is good because it's almost like, you know, you, at the end of the day, you have confidence in knowing what's going to work and what isn't going to work. I feel like the danger can be sometimes if a kid goes into all these different camps or has like 20 coaches and like, they're just all over the place. They, and they, and they don't have confidence in knowing what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, you, you, you coach kids too sometimes and you know, and you'll see kids kind of get inside their own head um, and all that fun stuff. Um, cool. All right. So next question. Um, what would be one piece of advice you would have wished you had given yourself when you first got out of college that you now know? <sighs> from, from like, a, it could be like a life, life wise or football wise. Um, that's another hard one. Um, I mean, I would, there's not a whole lot that I, I regret doing. I feel like I took, you know, I took a long path, but it was something that I couldn't control. I couldn't control what, you know, NFL teams thought of me. I couldn't control if they even brought me in for workouts and stuff like that. Um, I think anything just maybe setting up better platforms outside of football, you know, for success, because that ultimately, because obviously you can't do football forever. And I think I got into that game a little late um, because I, you know, I, I thought, you know, I could get football and I could get football right now. And that's not, that wasn't the case. I kind of jumped, jumped around from job to job. And there were some times where I went a couple weeks or maybe a month or so without a paycheck. And, you know, you just, especially right. I mean, well, not right now is not, not good, but then, you know, I was able to get away with it because I had, you know, family and friends that could help me. Um, but definitely, you know, marketing yourself outside of football def- and showing what you're all about outside of the football um, field that, you know, where maybe you could even possibly make more money than what you could make on the field. Gotcha. Yeah, it is tough to realize that, you know, football, as fun as it is, like everybody, it's got a shelf life and it's not like golf where you can do it when you're 80 years old. Yeah. And that was, again, that was where, you know, sometimes I get in the way of myself thinking I can play football forever. And that's, you know, ultimately that's not the case. That's not the case at all. And I, you know, fortunate enough to where kind of at right before the XFL started, I, I found a good little path with Nike and I really liked it and I liked what they were all about. And, you know, it's something that outside of when football's done that I could possibly get back into. Right. And that's so important too, man. I mean, like a lot of kids enter into the college recruiting process and they just have no idea about 
you know, what they want to study or what they want to pursue. Like you don't have to know what you want to do the rest of your life, but you are about to make a pretty big financial commitment if you don't, if you're not on a full ride. Um, you know, I just, you know, I, I like that lesson a lot that you just talked about. Yeah. Just marketing yourself outside of football. Um, right. it's, it's one, it's, you know, sometimes you're, you're not going to like it, but it, it just has to happen. Sure. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience has been like uh, with the NFL? I know you've been to a couple workouts. Um, could you kind of describe what the workout experience is like? Cause we all hear about it on Twitter and it's like, Oh, Tyler Rossa has a workout today. Yeah. But we don't really know. Not a lot of kids know what those are like. Um, so could you talk about what those workouts are like? And then uh, two, what are your plans for the upcoming season? Um, yeah. So obviously you, with these teams, you get a call and you know, Hey, it's so-and-so from uh, the Browns, you know, we're interested in bringing in for a workout and seeing what you're all about. And, you know, you kind of exchange a couple words and they say, okay, what's your email address? And, you know, you have a two minute conversation and then they email you all of your flight plans from where you're going from to where you're going. And from there, you know, it's either the next day or two days later, you're on a plane to Cleveland. And then when you get to Cleveland, they pick you up with a shuttle from the airport, bring you to your hotel and kind of just give you an itinerary of what is going on. And next day, um, it's all business from there. You know, I, I think, uh, with the workouts that I've had, I've maybe said before the workout, I've maybe said three things all day. And I, I would introduce myself to everybody that was in the building thank them for you know having me out and and what I could do and from there you know you get anywhere from 10 to 12 to 15 kicks to show what you're all about and that's it you know you go out sometimes they have sampled kicks sometimes they have just one guy holding it um in one case we had the special teams coordinator holding the ball and that was as interesting as it gets because nothing was consistent there. <laughs> right. um, but then you have, you know, you have about 40 personnel people who are watching you. So you do have 40 almost like a, yeah, you have pretty much everybody in the organization will be out there watching you. Wow. And okay. that, you know, that can get interesting just because everybody there has some sort of paper and pen in front of them taking notes. You, you know, sometimes you wonder what, the heck they're writing down because I just made a kick down the middle and I have a guy writing a paragraph of what he thinks is going on um and then you know it's you you keep moving on you go from there and and then afterwards you shake everybody's hand you go into a waiting room or you can be in the locker room something like that and that's when everybody just kind of um one by one goes and meets with the special teams coordinator you know what they liked what they didn't like what their plan is with you um, right. I couldn't tell you how many times I've gotten, Oh, you're going to be on our list type of thing. Right. But you know, you go from there and then that same day you go to the airport and you fly home. So it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's super quick. And it's, I think that's what makes the kicking position interesting because you have 20 minutes of putting the best product on the field when I can be working out for three or four months straight without knowing nothing 
and I have 20 minutes to show what my working on everything has come to. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I've definitely heard that the, the workout scene can be a little, uh, bit of a, bit of a crap shoot. Yeah. And it just depends on how serious the team is about bringing in a kicker, bringing in a specialist. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so what, what are your, what are your plans in the next season or so? Um, well, first to figure out with the XFL. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of figuring out what's going to go on with this. Um, this whole thing is, is kind of getting interesting and what hopefully it doesn't push back the NFL season. I mean, we have to come up with a vaccine first to really, you know, open up, you know, um, sports and everything like that. So as of right now, I'm just, you know, getting ready for, the draft and hopefully after the draft get a call and go from there I you know I I can't really worry about what's going on you know in the world because that's not something that I can control you know I can just control what what I do myself what I am able to do you know inside and outside of my house and you know just being prepared for anything that comes my way you know that's all I can really control so that's just what I'm doing right and when you look back at your career a hundred years from now, when you're still chilling, playing golf up in Boise somewhere, what's the one thing you want people to remember about your career? How do you want to be remembered? Um, honestly, just a guy that never gave up, um, that, that put everything that he did on the field every single day and, you know, never had a regret with anything. And I, I think up to this point, that's, that's pretty much what, I feel like that I've done and that I can continue to do. Awesome. Cool, man. Hang on one second. You're good. Thanks for listening to another episode of the kickers are people to podcast. If you like this episode or even better, if you didn't like it, please drop us a review on iTunes so we can get better for everybody else. This is important because we're going to start to give away some free, cool prizes in the coming weeks, episodes, and seasons. Thank you.